Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PowerVibe podcast. This is episode number eight. Um, today, we are going to be discussing the five-step hiring process. Um, we are so glad to have you back here with us. If you've watched the episodes before, thank you so much for that. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are so glad to have you here. We are available here on YouTube if you're watching the uh, the video stream that we have going, or we are available on all audio platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. If we're not, let me know and we'll make sure we are there in the future. And if you haven't subscribed to us or left us a nice review, we'd really love it if you could do that. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, all of those fancy things. You know what to do. It really helps us. We really appreciate it. So thank you in advance because I know you just did it right now. Yes. <laughs> anyway, my name is David Hall. I'm joined as always by Chris Smith. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good. Really I'm glad good. to hear it. Have you had a good week so far? I know it's only well, I have. It's, what day is it? Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. It's Tuesday today. We're recording it a little bit later. Um, how, you had a good week so far? I have. Good. Anything exciting happen? No. Um had a hot tub delivered. So I had to, it's on a second story deck. So I had to uh, reinforce all of the floor joists under the hot tub. So uh, I spent uh, the better part of yesterday with me and Michelle, my wife, putting floor joists up and the, the floor joists were pressure treated and they're new. So they're wet and they're really heavy. And so it was almost killing her, but she was quite the <laughs> trooper, man. She, she would get in there and, you know, give it all she had. And, we, we got creative using some, you know, some dead men poles to hold the joist up till we got right. in place till I could nail them in. It was a lot of work, but we Dang, got it. Sounds like we, a whole thing. Did you get it, it done? We did. We did. The hot nice. tub's full of water. It's hot right now, ready to get in and enjoy, a, Man. enjoy a nice glass of wine. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. It's uh, the stress level with uh, what we do. We needed some sort of uh, <laughs> you local, need that physical relief. Yeah. R- local relaxation. So you know, the last hot tub I was in was in Vermont for my wife and I's wedding, which you were at. And I, it was so cold that when I went in the hot tub, um, my hair got a little bit wet because I must've like, I must've like just dunked down or or something for a second. And I came back up and within 30 seconds, my hair was rock solid. (laughs) It was like, honestly, it was rock hard. It was insane. I've never experienced cold like that, but anyway, it was, it was nice. That's the downside of a hot tub is getting out. Yes, exactly. Getting exactly. in is the best. Getting out, not so much. But in the Georgia summertime, it's probably going to be hotter outside the hot tub than in it. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm glad to hear you got that sorted out, Chris. Um, like I said, I'm not jealous at all. Uh, I've got a freezing cold pool in the back, so kind of the reverse of what you have. But yeah, you're um, welcome to come get in anytime. Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But anyway, like I said, this is episode number eight. Today, we're going to be discussing the five-step hiring process. Um, now, you are a business owner. You um, you have hired many people in your time, I'm sure. Me yes. being one of them, I am a happy employee of yours. Yes. Um, and we're very I was glad hired by you. you. So, Chris, why don't you kind of uh, start off by giving everybody... Uh, a little bit of a background on what the five-step hiring process is, whether it's your process, whether it's a process that's been developed over time by many people, um, exactly what it is, and then and then we can kind of get into the the more nitty-gritty of the step-by-step details. Sure. Part of the uh, the process is kind of a mashup of stuff I've learned over the years, mistakes I've made, and then you know reaching out, trying to find the solution, uh, reading books. I'm a I'm a big reader of books. I probably read I don't know fifty books a year. 
And so um, just researching this, um, you know, come, I came up with my own five-step process. Okay. Um, but, it, but it does have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of inspiration from other sources in the process. For sure. My, um, one of my old acting teachers used to say, um, don't steal, borrow. Borrow, right. Right, exactly. <laughs> and really, uh, in summary, when you're hiring an employee, you should look at it like you're choosing a, a partner for marriage. I mean, you, you should really look and if I'm looking for the absolute best candidate, all of the time that you spend preparing to find the right candidate and onboard the right candidate will pay you exponentially back in the years to come. Because what, mm. what we're looking for is a forever employee. We're looking for a long-term employee who not only buys into the, the vision of our company and, and assimilates into the culture and becomes a contributing member, but also the, every time they learn, they learn a new process, they learn something that works better, they add they have that institutional knowledge that's so hard to replace. So, um, you know, if you have a highly productive top 10% long-term employee, that's what makes or breaks a business. Hmm. That's what gives you the ammunition to beat your competition. And it's because culture beats strategy every time. Right. If, if you have the right people in place, then uh, you almost don't need a strategy because the right people are going to do the right thing. And they have the company's best interest in, at heart. You know, they understand that as, as the company's successful, I'm successful as an individual. Mm. Now, uh, one thing I was going to ask is you, you said that, you know, what you want to be able to do as somebody who's hiring is find somebody who's going to be that forever employee. I think that's what you said, right? Right. Is that a common thing? Is that, is that what, you know, all businesses should be striving for? Is there some businesses that operate better off of high turnover of, of employees or is that something that everyone should be striving for? Uh, there are employers that just have high turnover positions. One of those is a UPS, United Parcel Service. I'll never forget uh, when I was in college, I was uh, looking for part-time jobs to help me pay for college and mm -hmm. get beer money. And so <laughs> uh, I, I got a job with UPS and I'll never forget they, they literally, the process, you know, they're hiring for a part-time loaders and unloaders of their trucks. Mm -hmm. The pay was good, but you only worked like four hours a shift, which was perfect for me while I was in college. And so you, you went to this process and we walk in, there's literally like 50 or 60 people in the room. Gosh. And the first thing you do is um, they've got it down to a science and it's because they're interviewing this many people every week. You know what I mean? And you right. take a written test and they, they're, they don't uh, mix, word, mix words at all. They would say, we're going to give you a written test. Uh, the smartest of you will be loaders. The dumbest of you will be unloaders. <laughs> and so um, you took least, the yeah, test. At least they don't mince words. You knew, like you you knew, yeah. Depending on how I do on this test tells me what job I'm going to work. Right. Um, I was an unloader, by the way. <laughs> so I Now do, you'd be a loader. I, I didn't do so well on the test. But uh and I worked as an unloader and the, the work was just, uh, you know, they had, you had supervisors that were just yelling, you know, Hey, speed, speed, speed. All they wanted was the most packages unloaded or the most packages loaded. Mm -hmm. And they knew that it, it was a special person 
that could do this job and the turnover rate was high. So right. because, because it didn't really matter if you were a top 10% employee, what mattered was that you still had, uh, you were still a good employee. You would show up on time. You would do the work that was asked of you and you were committed to the job in front of you. Other than that, it didn't take a whole lot of training, knowledge, expertise to know how to unload a box or load mm. a box. Mm. And so that, and that scenario, that's a high turnover. You're not necessarily looking for the best employee. You are looking for an employee that'll show up, right? An right. employee that's um, dependable and one that can load and unload boxes without breaking all of your customers' shipments. So yeah. there are jobs that um, you don't want a forever person, but you have right. to kind of decide. Most jobs for most companies you're going to want a forever person, especially if you're a, if you are a smaller company and this employee has to wear multiple hats, you know what I mean? Like, like you may, you're not IBM, so you're not just hiring, you know, somebody that does one specific task every day. You're hiring a person that may do varied tasks throughout the company during Mm -hmm. the day, basically in anything that we need type employee. That's when it's really key that you find the right person that's going to fit into the culture, that's dependable, honest, trustworthy, reliable, all of those characters that we're looking for. It's really important to take the time to, to develop a process that helps you locate those people. So what you're saying is the smaller company you are and the newer, really, the more you really want to focus on finding the exact right person because it's going to help you in the long run. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, I know from, from my perspective as, as an employee, um, whenever I, you know, whether it was working in a pub back in England or whether it's, you know, um, going to work for somebody else, whether it was a restaurant out here, if I went in there and I, you know, spoke to an employee or whatever, and they told me, oh, the employee turnover here is really high to me. That was a massive red flag. Right. Cause I was always like, oh, maybe they don't treat their employees very well here. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, there's a reason why not, not a lot of people are staying and that may or may not be true. But from my perspective, as a, as a potential employee, I always saw that as a, oh, no, maybe this isn't where I need to be. Or I've made a huge mistake. I should never have agreed to work here, <laughs> you know? Right. And but, that um, brings up a oh, – go ahead. No, no, please. That brings up a very good point. And the point is the process, so your, your uh, five-step hiring process, is also your potential employees are gauging you as an employer – by the process they're going through to get the job. Mm, so right. if it's uh you're looking for anybody that's breathing and if you're breathing, come on, you can start tomorrow. <laughs> There's not a lot of training that that employee's not going to view this as a highly valuable position or a, um, a prized company to work for, or they're going to see it as, well, anybody could have got this job. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, it's not really that, I was the perfect candidate. It was just that I happened to be the guy that replied to the ad. Mm. So by having a really clearly defined and scripted process, you're telling your potential employees, Hey, we've got our crap together. This is a great place to work. We're, uh, you know, we we're a good employee, a good employer. We have a good company culture. Uh, we're not just a bunch of jack legs running around (laughs) while the circus music plays. We know what we're doing. We're professionals and we're great at it. Yeah. And, and like you said, and, that's going to make me as an employee feel inherently more valued if right. I know that the person who's hired me has gone through a, a pretty rigorous process to come to that conclusion. Right. But 
But with that being said then, Chris, what is step number one on the five-step process? All right. So the I'll give you the first, I'll give you the all five of them and then we'll go through them one at a time. That sounds great. Let's right, do that. So that the, 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 in summary, the five is define the job and write the job description. So you really have to take the time to write the job description of what it is you're looking for an employee. Uh, then you have to post the job in the right place using the right words. So posting the job on social media and job boards, that posting is just as important as the job description you wrote to define it. Mm -hmm. uh, then you, you when you take the candidates in, you have a sorting process to sort the candidates. Uh, after that, you make an offer for an employment. And we're going to talk about the new generation and how they'll ghost you in, in the process. So you have to <laughs> you have to set up your process so that if they don't respond with a certain amount of time, we, we automatically move on to the next candidate. Right. Um, and then how to onboard the employee. So how to take someone off the street and onboard them so that when you're done onboarding, they are now uh, a self-motivated, almost self-supervised, highly contributing employee to the team. And you got to have a process to do that. All righty. Sounds good. So then step number one, that was, if I remember rightly, that was the define what the job is and the job description? Yes. All righty. And so um, a lot of people, they may copy and paste a job description. Like if they're saying, uh, I need to hire a installation technician. First thing they do is go look for other installation technician jobs, <laughs> copy all that, and then paste it in their, their job. So okay. Don't do that. That's the worst thing you can do. Why is that? Because you really need to define what separates every company as their culture and how they do things. So you're looking for an employee that fits best in your culture. You may have a culture of speed where we're trying to get the most jobs done in a day and we're not, uh, we're, we're going to accept a 20% callback rate, but our culture is speed and the average ticket is $250. And that's how we work. Uh, a, a totally different company, their focus may be quality. So they may be quality at all cost. You know, we're looking for the lowest callbacks at all. And we don't have an average ticket we're pushing. We just want you to do the right thing for the customer every time. While both of those are jobs at an HVAC company, they're actually two totally different people. For sure. Yeah. One is a personality that would drive speed with a lack of quality. And one is totally quality focused. If you take a quality focused person and you put them in a job that's one based on speed and just money through sales, they're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not going to work out. It's going to be a waste of time. They're, they're eventually going to find a new job and go somewhere else. They're not going to be that longevity, like longstanding employee. Right. So when we're writing the job description, what we're doing is we're defining our culture. We're telling mm -hmm. you, Hey, these are the knowledge, skills, and abilities you need to have. These are the character traits you need. You need to be honest, uh, reliable, trustworthy, on time, dependable, all of these things we're looking for. This is, you know, kind of what your average day is. This is what it takes to be successful here. This is our, our culture. We're looking for superstar, superstars. And, you know, we're looking for someone, you have to think of them as an ambassador. And what that means is, this person is going to represent me, the business owner, to all my customers. Yes. 
So I want to hire an ambassador that's going to represent me the way I want to be represented to my employees. Especially and if you're a customer facing um, company, right? So like right. say you're an HVAC company, they're going to be going into homes, meeting with people day in and day out. You're going to want somebody who reflects your culture, right? Right. Because if you think about it, um, really the only thing the customer interacts with is the technician we put in their home. Right. So if we're, um, you know, super high quality HVAC.com and we sent out Jim the Jackleg, that doesn't match. Right. Uh-huh. So all, all the customer's going to know is don't, don't call them. They're just jack, <laughs> they're jack legs. They don't, they don't know what they're doing because the ambassador you sent out to their house to represent you didn't represent you correctly. Right. So that's why it's so critical to define what does success look like and really take the time to write this job description. Really think about, because the, the more, the more time you put into writing an accurate job description, um, the, the, it'll pay dividends down the road because um, not only will you attract the right employees, but people will self weed themselves out. So they'll, they might look at it and go, that's not me. I'm not a quality guy. I'm a speed guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they they won't even apply. They won't, they won't come. They're, they're just, they'll, they look for opportunities where they can be successful at. Cause in the end, everybody just wants to be successful personally. For sure. So um, one, one question I will ask then is when you're writing a job description, are you also wanting to sell yourself as a company? Because obviously, you know, you want, you want as, I mean, I may be wrong in this, but this is just my, my, my guess, I feel. Um, you want as many good candidates as possible to apply, right? Right. So you also want to sell yourself to people who are looking for that job. Is that, yes. Does that cut, tie in with the job description or does yes. that come later down the line? No, you want the job description to dis- and you, uh, that's another paradigm shift that we're going to have to embrace is that future generations. So our entire system of human resources and employee compensation are all designed and architected from a post-World War II society. <laughs> yes. Where um, p- employees are looking for how much money am I going to make and what are the benefits? Our entire system is designed around that. The next generation of employees are not concerned about that as much as they are work-life balance, self-actualization. Who am I? How am I contributing to the world as an individual? Am I making the world a better place? Am I making the world a worse place? That's why what we've witnessed as the great resignation post-COVID is because our, our post-World War II engineered employee compensation system no longer meets the needs of our employee base. And so these people are fed up and they've reached the point to where they go, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm unhappy. Mm-hmm. This job, you know, this job, the owner's just out for money or whatever their reasoning is. I don't have work-life balance. My kids are most important. This, this uh, COVID has shown me what's important in my life. Yes. I'm done. I'm out of here. Isn't that interesting? It is. Interesting. You know, I hadn't necessarily considered that, but you're totally right. You're totally right. The more people I speak to, the more, the more I speak to people, the more they're like, you know what, during COVID I worked from home and it was so awesome because, um, I was able to spend more time with my family, spend more time with my kids, spend more time with my wife, you know, whatever it was like people, 
it's funny. It took a worldwide pandemic yeah. for people to realize what really is truly important in life, which is, you know, the people around you. It's, right. it's interesting. is And it, you, like it goes to it goes to show that, like you said, you're going to need to look for people like that in the future. Now you're going to have to appeal to those people in a different way. Yeah. And you're going to have to look at your processes. So a part of selling yourself and your job description is what does your employee look, your uh, company look like from a culture standpoint, as far as work-life balance? Historically, I can tell you as a heating and air conditioning technician in 1994, I think it was 1994, I was working for a large company in Atlanta as a repair technician. I was working in the summer. I would be at my first job at 7 a.m. And at 1030 at night, I would every night at 1030, I would be arguing with the dispatcher. Good and she would, she would be saying, I've got one more for you. And every night I would say, I'm going home. And she goes, no, no, no. We got one more. It's just right down the road. 1030 at night. And I would say, I, I'm, I can leave the van in the parking lot with the keys in it, but I'm exhausted. I'm going yeah. home. And it would last that way from, you know, May till about October. Oh my God. But I was making a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year in 1993 so and that's because i was just i was fortunate when that i was a technician but i could also communicate to homeowners Mm -hmm. in a way that wasn't salesy Mm -hmm. so they normally would buy the things i would recommend because i would explain you know why the need was there and and what your options are and they would choose them and so i made a lot of money in commissions Mm -hmm. so i was really just making knocking down the money but it didn't take long. It was like three years. And I was like, I've got to find something else. I can't keep yeah. working. I can't keep this schedule up. And so I would, I actually left there and started a whole different career. Mm-hmm. But the point is, I was doing it because of the money. Yeah. Today's employees aren't going to do it. So right. you're going to have to design your culture moving forward so that you take work-life balance into consideration. I saw an ad recently for a heating and air conditioning company and they were looking for uh, a technician and they said, uh, you work four day work weeks, uh, every weekend, every month you get a four day weekend, the way the schedule rotates. Um, you get, you know, there was all these things. It was basically, yes, hey, I saw this. It was like 45 to $85 an hour. Right. And that's for 4% on their 401ks, all that kind of stuff. Benefits. Yeah. But the most important thing is, we're recognizing that you have a life and a family and we're going to honor that so that we need you to work, but we're going to also give you time to be with your family. Right. And, and as an industry, all of the home service industries, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, they're all going to have to start looking at creative ways for uh, shifts. They're going to have to look at, um, you know, we may in the future reach a point to where, HVAC technicians come in and they, they work an eight, a four, or a 12 hour shift, depending on what they want to do. They may work three twelves. They may work five fours and they, they share a van. You know what I mean? So we're, yeah. we're using software to schedule this van. And not only does it give our employees flexibility in their schedule, but it also gives our customers flexibility in scheduling service. Mm. Cause you may have a, a technician that says, I want to work four hour shifts, but I want to work 8 PM to midnight. That's great. You may have some customers that are, you know, they work night shift and they're normally up at that time. And they're like, yeah, come on out. 
And so you're able to squeeze more work in a shorter amount of time. And the company would actually be more profitable because they're able to let that van do more work in a 24 hour period. And you're also giving your employees a work-life balance so that they can, um, whatever shift works for them. You, you may have a person whose wife works from eight to five, their kids are homeschooled. And so they need to start work at six and get off at 10 because that's what works for their family because dad's homeschooling kids during the day. Yeah. Or they're taking care of a, um, an elderly parent or an elderly grandparent. We're seeing more and more of that where people are taking care of their, their parents and their grandparents in their home. And they need a schedule that's going to work to allow mom and dad or, or partner, partner, a way to work out this schedule and, and still meet our life demands. Yes. Yeah. So, right. so selling your company in the job description is a part of that. Yeah. Your, your, how you uh, attract your employee with your, the work schedule, the benefits, the pay, all of that is a big part of who we are. And that, that mm -hmm. comes in when you're the job description is like first and Telling your story of who you are as a company is more like when we list the job, when we post the job on the job boards, how do we write that so that people understand a little bit more about our company and who we are? Right. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of interesting things in there. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. What would the next step be? Step two. All right. So the next is we talk about posting the job on Indeed, uh, Facebook, uh, monster.com. Okay all the job boards, you want to take that job description, right? This is the, this is the job we're hiring for. This is how we describe it. Mm -hmm. And you want to be pretty detailed in what the description is, what you expect of them. And then when we post the job, this is when we say um, who we are as a company, the culture of, of that company, all the things we just talked about. And we also, we're going to have a probationary period in here. So we're going to have 12 months, 18 months, whatever probationary period you have so that the employees know you can be terminated at, for any reason during this, this period, this 18-month right. probationary period. And during this period, this is what we expect. For you to get off probation, this is what you'll have to do to successfully exit probation. Yeah. So we're going to take all of these details about the job, what we expect, uh, the probationary period, um, we're going to talk about work-life balance, what your pay is, your benefits, the company culture, uh, career advancements. So do we offer training? Uh, you know, are we, when you come in, is this something that you're going to embrace the, the industry that we're in, learn more, become a true professional, uh, promote in the process and, and what that promotional, uh, future career looks like. So, mm -hmm. so we're going to tell people, not only is this a, an entry level job or a technician level job or an installer level job, but there's, there's a future progression. You can be a service manager, install manager. You could be general manager. You could, you know, there, there's a future here with this job. If you want to um, consider working for us. Right. And you said that we're, this is when you're posting on uh, job sites. Is there any particular job sites that you recommend that you find um, to be most useful to find the best candidates? Is there any that really stand out to you? I know a lot of people use social media, but what you have to remember about social media, like Facebook's Facebook, for example, if you post a job on Facebook, 
not everybody in the world's going to see that job. It's just going to be the people that like your page. Right. So your customers, if, if you think one of your customers would be a great candidate, <laughs> then you can post the job on Facebook. Yeah. Or you can run an ad on Facebook, which would be more beneficial because then people who are not your customer would see the ad. So that would be a paid ad. But we also recommend, I recommend using paid ads for Facebook job postings. You can use LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn's a good, that's a paid ad for so your is, job. Is that, when you, um, is that when you get like an email that says, hey, this person is hiring? Yeah. Is that the I sort of them. thing that they're going to be paying for LinkedIn for? Yeah. And and it's, it'll post the whole uh, job description there on the site and then it'll connect people who have similar skills. So uh, like okay. a LinkedIn job description, if you're looking for an HVAC technician, um, your other HVAC technicians in that area are going to see your ad. Right. Gotcha. So I get emails all the time that'll be like, um, uh, you know, Ream Manufacturing is looking for a marketing director. Mm-hmm. And so I get uh, emails from LinkedIn that are matching me to a potential job position. I'm not even looking for a job, and I get emails all the time from LinkedIn. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Exactly. So what, what LinkedIn helps you do is LinkedIn helps you find experienced people in that position that um, are in your area or might be interested in relocating to your area. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially if you live, if your company's located along the coast, like uh, Florida, Alabama, Texas, you know, mm-hmm. all are up and down the East Coast. There are so many people who they're HVAC technicians. They're working in, I don't know, let's say Michigan. They're tired of the snow. They're tired. Of, their girlfriend just broke up with them. Oh, you know no. what I mean? <laughs> they got to find a place to live. And then they see your ad for uh, HVAC technician, uh, you know, Gulf Coast, Florida. Yep. Those guys may actually be like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to yeah, start start over, nice. start a new life. And they may be a perfect candidate who has a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to relocate. And you don't even have to be on the Gulf Coast. It may just be you're in Atlanta. And these people say, my brother lives in Atlanta. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, but we're only four hours from the coast. Right. That's why I recommend using LinkedIn and job boards like Indeed or Monster, all of those. And a lot of them, like if you use Indeed, if you post on Indeed, that job posting is actually going to post to thousands of job boards across the internet because they they use the same database aggregate. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So, so you're pay- posting in one place, but really you're getting it everywhere. on many different sites yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's step two. Then mm-hmm. you're getting you've posted you've written the job description. You've made sure it represents your culture and that you're appealing to the right people. Step two, you're making sure it's on in the right places. It, again, it's representing everything you need it to. You're appealing to the right people. Hopefully now you're going to start getting people apply for things, right? You're going to start getting those applications come through. What right. comes next? Step uh, three. Sorting, sorting the candidates. Okay. So um, this is important from a legal standpoint. Uh, so I have to have a process, a formal process, where I'm sorting the candidates that does not take into consideration race, sex, uh, handicap, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Everything. sexual preference, all that. So you have mm-hmm. to have a way that we sort these candidates so that we're looking for the best candidate. And when, cause there are people out there 
who will apply for a job and when they don't get hired, they'll sue you for discrimination. And that's yes, their, that is crazy. That's their, that's their profession. That's what they do is going around hiring for, they don't really want the job. What they want to do is hope that you don't have your ducks in a row. Right. And when you don't hire them, they're going to sue for racial discrimination and they're going to get a couple hundred thousand dollars out of you because you don't have a way to prove that that wasn't what, because they don't have to prove that that's how you made the decision. It just has to look like that. Right. 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 Cause so, I guess the burden of proof is on the, on the company. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's why it's so important for you to have a sorting process. So what we're going to look at is um, their knowledge, skills, and abilities. So do they know how to do the job at hand? So let's just take a heating and air conditioning repair person. If I was hiring that person, uh, step one might be a written test of your knowledge. So okay. do you know how to repair heating and air conditioning if you pass this written <laughs> test, right? Pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> so if you pass the written test, then you might go on to the next step where we would do personality testing like we talked about on okay. the last episode. Yes. Where you'd look at Myers-Briggs or an Enneagram to determine they, they are the right personality for the job. And then we would have uh, an interview process. It'd be a multi-step interview process. So the first thing you're going to do is interview with the supervisor. So if you're an HVAC repair technician, your first interview would be with a service manager, for example. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a pre-written set of questions that we're going to ask. Every candidate gets asked the same questions. Exact same. Exact same. Okay. So we're going to look for, we're going to ask them questions that tie back to the character traits we listed in the job description. So we may say, um, let's take honesty, for example. We may say, like if I'm interviewing you, I may say, David, honesty is uh, very important at our company. Can you tell me of a time that you were in a position where you could have not been honest mm -hmm. or you could have been honest and no one would have known the difference and what you chose to do and why. Right. And then I'm going to shut up. This is the most important part. The, the most powerful part of an interview is the uncomfortable silence between the two interview. Because what you'll find is the interviewee will fill that dead space with information that you may not have asked for, but right. they're providing it. Because, because they feel, they feel like they need to? They get uncomfortable and they get diarrhea of the mouth and they just keep <laughs> keep giving you information, right? Mm -hmm. So I would ask uh, those personality traits, honesty, trustworthy, are they reliable? Um, do they have integrity? Will they do the right thing when no one's looking? Uh, I would have these questions. So first you would go through, the your first line supervisor would hold the interview. Then a second line supervisor. So Maybe the service manager's done the first interview. The next interview is going to be by the general manager. Okay, so it's a, then, a, a step up. Right. And then you'd have another one, which might be the owner of the company. And each, each part of this process, we have set questions that we're going to ask. They're going to be different. Okay. So you're going to, the first line supervisor may ask you these five questions. The next interviewer will ask you a second set of questions. They're not the same questions. But everyone who gets to that next stage is going to be asked the same question. Yes. And okay. so, and then we would um, grade those. So we would look, we would like, like you might get a grade of one to five. 
So five being excellent, one being not so great. And then a summary. So the, the interviewer would ask you the question. I would be quiet and let you answer it. And then when you stop talking and you didn't talk anymore, I might say, is there anything else you'd like to add? That's always the most stressful question right. in an interview ever. Right. It's like, oh crap, should I? <laughs> right. And so then they say no, then say okay. And then you would take the time to rate them. And then if you have a response, you might say uh, fidgety. I think he's lying or you know whatever, whatever you'd write on the thing. And then you'd go to the next question. And then you'd score, you'd add up all these scores. So what's going to happen is the interview process and the score of that interview process is going to be the determining factor on who goes to the next step of the process. So it's not, it's not on, um, it was Glenn. See, these things might be happening because you, Glenn applied, you looked at Glenn, Glenn's got 10 years experience. He works for a large HVAC company. Glenn seems polite on the phone. He's, you know, all these things you hired him and you hired him because of, his qualifications and his character as it presented to you, but the process wasn't documented. And so the competing employee might say, well, you hired Glenn because Glenn's white. Right. And so we've gone through the same process, but this is now as a documented process and we've graded the candidates questions. And so we go through, then we are going to get references. This is uh, hugely important. And if you've ever called employee references, you'll know the value of this. Mm -hmm. You're going to ask for three personal references and three professional references. Tell me, um, you know, people that aren't your family that would give you a reference and people that you've worked with before that would give you a reference. Right. And you're only going to ask two questions because it's illegal to ask those questions that might give you like you, you wouldn't want to ask like, well, do you know if Alicia's pregnant? <laughs> right. Cause that's right. a discriminatory question. So no personal uh, questions. No person. You're going to ask two questions. When did, so let's say I'm calling your reference. I would say, when did David work for you? And they're going to tell you, David worked for me August of 2019 to, you know, July, 2024. Mm -hmm. You're going to compare that to what David told you. Right. Cause we're, right. we're going to see now if, David has an attention to detail because he gave us the accurate dates. Mm -hmm. Right. And then does David honest, you know, he gave us the, the correct dates. He didn't lie and, and try to cover up a gap in his resume. Mm -hmm. The second question you're going to ask is, would you hire David again? And that's all you want to ask. And then mm -hmm. you're going to let them talk. It's, gotcha. it's illegal to ask um, questions that may be discriminatory it's not illegal to hear things they voluntarily told you. Right? Understood. <laughs> yeah. So, but you don't want to use those, anything discriminatory in your decision. Right. Because that, that is illegal. But they may tell you, you'd be shocked at the people that'll be like, uh, like I may say, when did David work with you? They tell me. And then I go, would you hire David again? You would be surprised at the people that go, hell no, dude, don't. Really? Don't hire David. Yeah. He would. He came in, he, he talked a big game. We hired him. He made a bunch of mistakes. We tried to help him and train him. He copped an attitude. Then one day he stole $400 in cash from a customer. Um, we fired him. You know what I mean? You, you'd be shocked at all the stories that you yeah. hear. And, and people will tell you, people will give you an honest. Uh, now, if it's one of your biggest competitors, they may lie. Yes. They may go, yeah, hire David. You need David. Mm-hmm. 
because I'm competing with you and I want that dummy to work for your team. Or <laughs> so this step not only helps you find the more suitable candidate because you're learning things, you're giving them questions, you're really figuring stuff out. But interestingly, it helps you legally too. So yeah. it's very important. Well, you keep all this documentation. And so as the employees have gone through this process and in the end you've made your decision, because at the end of your grading sheet, you can, um, you know, ask the interviewer can say, uh, what are your initial, um, what do you think of David? Give us a summary here. Mm-hmm. And you can use all of that information to go, yes, we chose to hire them or no, we chose not to hire them. And so you've got a process that you use to grade the candidate, not anything based off of a protected class or race or sex or anything like that. Right. That's interesting. That's yeah. good to know. I mean, not that I own a business or anything, but that is interesting. It's uh, kind of a, a double whammy of, of helpfulness on step three. Right. So uh, with that in mind, then step four, what comes next? So After this is that, Im- that process. The step four is an offer of employment, and this is critical for the, the new generations moving forward. Okay. So I'm going to reach out. You, you've gone through the process. We've interviewed you. you, you we've scored you on the interview. I've, I've said, hey, the, David is the guy we want. He, he, the Myers-Briggs says his personality is right. The Enneagram says he's right. Uh, employee, you know, we've interviewed him. He's good to go. There's references check out. We're going to make David an offer of employment. Mm-hmm. So we're going to send you a letter that says, congratulations, we've selected you as um, new hire for our HVAC service technician. This is the pay. These are the benefits. Um, this is what it looks like going forward. Uh, you have 72 hours to accept this offer of employment. If you do not accept this offer of employment in 72 hours, we, we're reneging. We're removing the offer. Okay. And it's important that you do that because what I can tell you is that uh, you're going to get ghosted. Um, <laughs> don't. It, it's shocking. It happens way more than you think, and people get their feelings hurt. They're, you know, they vent all the time. Like, I don't understand. We went through all this time. They came to all the interviews. We went through everything. Got down to the offer employment, made the offer, and they ghosted me. They won't even reply. You know, I could understand if they replied back and said, I'll need ten more $1,000 we could talk about, but they won't even reply anymore. Right. That's called ghosting. Yeah. And it, it happens frequently. Don't get your feelings hurt. It's a part of the new onboarding process. Mm-hmm. Just set your system up so that if this candidate ghosts you, if you don't hear from them in 72 hours, you're moving to candidate number two. I guess my 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 theory as to why that probably happens more these days is because it's so there's so much non-person-to-person communication that it's easy to just be like, well, I'm never going to see this person again. Right. You know, I could just say, I can just ignore this email. Whereas if somebody, you have to go in and see people face-to-face, you know, you can't say no over an email back in the fifties, you know, right? <laughs> you'd have right. to go in and to, uh, in person to see, to see them. So that would be yeah. my assumption. Yeah. And it just, it happens. And so you got to, don't take it personally, realize that that's, that is uh, an accepted thing that happens in the newer generations, I guess, with online dating and all people ghost frequently. Right. So it's just a part of the process. So just know that it's going to happen and build your process to, so that you can, when it does happen, you can move to the next candidate. Okay. So then I'm hopefully someone accepts, you know, four of them ghost one person, the, the last person accepts that offer of employment for, from you. You think you found the right person. What comes next? What's that fifth and final step? Onboarding the new employee. 
And okay. so what, what you're going to do, and this is I, one of the most important parts of the process. So when you onboard them, you're going to uh, teach them about the company, teach them about the culture. Um, you're going to, you know, get them signed up for all their benefits, get their payroll processed. The most important thing you can do is define what success looks like. Uh, this is what's left out a lot of times. And the employer gets frustrated because the employee is not successful. And it's because a lot of the things that it takes to be successful is not intuitive, right? Right. Uh, let's, let's define what success looks like. Um, this is what, when you're, this is the probationary period. And when you're off probation, this is how you get off probation. When you can perform these skills at this level, then you take a test. And when you pass that test, you get off probation and you get a raise. All right. Mm. So you go to a, a more permanent employee status. So you're also offering a, a reward for getting yeah. off this probation. Yeah. It's okay. usually a small bump. It's usually a $2,000, $3,000 raise okay. that differentiates between a probationary period and a full-time employee. Hey, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're also going to define is what does failure look like? So um, you may have, you know, a list of things that employees in the past have been terminated for. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to tell you, if you if you get drunk in the company van and shoot a YouTube video driving down Main Street, <laughs> screaming out racial derogatory statements, you're going to be terminated. You know what I mean? Uh, or yeah. if you if you do something else crazy, if you're, you know, on YouTube doing Heil Hitler post you're going to be terminated you know what i mean so you let them know what failure looks like as well Mm -hmm. and uh that helps them know what i need to do moving forward like if this is what success looks like what knowledge skills and abilities do i presently possess that's going to let me be successful what do i not have like so if if one of the things to be successful is you're going to have to use utilize our uh, software, like let's say we use Service Titan, you're going to have to know and understand Service Titan and be able to make it do these 10 things for you. Okay. If you can do those 10 things, then we're going to say, hey, you, you're you successful with Service Titan. Right. And they may, then they go, okay, those are the 10 things I have to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know them now. So I'm going to learn those things because that's what success looks like. And so then what you're going to do is, for the next four weeks, every week, you're going to have a meeting with that employee and mm-hmm. you're going to talk about these are the behaviors that were good. These are the behaviors that were bad. This is what you need to improve on. You always want to, uh, you don't want it to be a, uh, you don't want to suck the life out of them. You know what I mean? You Just don't want to be transparent, right? You don't want to every week tell them how bad they suck, <laughs> but you also want to be honest on the things they need to improve. Right? For sure. Like, like if you say, Hey, I've noticed that your shirts, it looks like you're storing your bottle, your shirt in a Coke bottle every night before you come to work, <laughs> you, you know, you need to put it in the dryer, iron it or something. Yeah. Communicate that. Tell them, you know, your shoes are really muddy. You need to clean and polish your shoes every mm-hmm. night, things like that. Um, so for the next four weeks, you're going to meet once a week. Then after that, you're going to meet once a month and you're going to meet once a month and go over how that employee is performing and how they're progressing in their goals to meet the satisfactory performance to get off of probation. Mm -hmm. So every month you're meeting and you're telling them where you are, this is what you got left. What do you need help with? Do you need training? Do you need additional training? Do you need to, um, you know, ride with a 
somebody else to see how do we get you to success. Right. And those are once a month you go through those. Then when probationary ends, now that employee is just going to get a performance review annually with everyone else. Gotcha. Right. So everyone should be getting a performance review annually. Yes. And I'm a big proponent of daily. Right. So, and my thing is, is I don't want to schedule a formal performance review meeting every day, but if I see you doing something that we need to correct, I'm going to talk to you about that, that day. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make a note and go, well, on David's performance evaluation, I will be talking about his wearing of a t-shirt that has profanity on it. Right. I'm hey, this say, isn't profanity. This right. is just an M. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I may say, hey, you can't wear that shirt. Go get another employee shirt or go to Target and get you a new shirt. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm going to address that that day. Okay. And then when you get to a, a performance evaluation, there should be no surprises in a, a performance evaluation. Everybody should know their strengths, their weaknesses, and what they should be working on. Hmm. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah. it sounds like a good bunch of steps that if executed correctly could hopefully bring you successful, uh, a successful amount of employees. But I have one question to ask you. Sure. Since we've done, gone through the five steps and we're coming towards the end here. If you had to take one of these steps and tell somebody, this is what you definitely, definitely, definitely have to do. It's the most important step. Which one for you would it be? Job description. Interesting. Yeah. And, and the reason is, is because, when I take the time to define the job description, I'm also taking the time to define my expectations. Mm. I'm taking the time to identify the knowledge, skills, and abilities you need to be successful. And it's also helping me as an employer identify the training, the practical exercises, what we need to do to help you gain those knowledge, skills, and abilities to be successful. All right. That's, uh, that's really interesting. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but it makes sense. Because, you know, for, for me, my, my guess would, would be for most people that they think the interview is probably the most important part, right? Because that's when you're really whittling it down. But what you say makes a lot of sense, you know, because if you get that job description right, not only are you going to attract the right people, but you're establishing with yourself what you're looking for too. And then right. I like that a lot. I like that. A right. Lot. And really a lot of the problems that happen from employee employer is due to a lack of communication and a mm -hmm. lack of, of knowledge and understanding. Here's an example. There's only three times an employee, only three ways an employee does not meet expectations. One is they didn't know they were supposed to. You tell them they were supposed to. The second is they knew they were supposed to, but they didn't know how to. You train them. The third is they knew they were supposed to. They knew how to. They chose not to. That's discipline. Mm -hmm. And so once you realize, once you've defined all of these requirements in the job description, and now you know there's only three reasons why they don't meet expectations, and you address those three reasons throughout the process, then employee success it's much, much greater. You know what I mean? So now you know what I'm expecting. I know what I'm expecting. And, and through that path, through that journey to get there, there's only three reasons. Right. You didn't know you were supposed to. You didn't know how to. 
You knew those and you chose not to. And then that brings up discipline. This discipline should be a multi-step process. Mm -hmm. So uh, people are humans. They're going to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. So the first step of discipline should be a verbal warning. This is what you did. I'm going to tell you, hey, Dave, don't do that again. We don't, that doesn't go down here at uh, Big Smith Heating and Air. (laughs) Okay. The next is a written warning. So now this is the second time you've done it. I'm going to do a written warning. I'm going to put it in your file. Yep. The third is time off without pay. So I may say, hey, you're going to take Friday off without pay. Um, you may like that. I don't know. But not if I'm be. not getting paid. <laughs> right. And <laughs> then, uh, so that's time off without pay. And then the fifth is termination. Right. So that you go through this progressive step so that by the time you terminate an employee, there should be no doubt in their mind that they're going to be terminated. Yeah. Like, like literally when you walk in on Friday and you say, uh, Hey Jim, I need to see him in my office today. You know what's coming. I know, I know what's coming. And I know that it's because, uh, you know, I can't be late. My whatever, maybe I've been having to get my kids to school. I couldn't work it out. And we've gotten to the point now to where I can't, I can't be successful. I can't meet their expectations. I'm going to have to find a new job. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a surprise if you're ever terminating an employee and they're like, I, I, I can't believe I didn't realize this was happening. There's something wrong. Right. Either the employee's lying or you did not handle the employee development process correctly. Yeah. So I was going to say, so hopefully with these five steps, you're eliminating as much possibility of that happening in the future as possible. Right. Yeah. Cause you're already laying out for the most part, what you expect and how you want them to achieve that before they, before you even get them to sign on that dotted line. Yeah. And if you've invested all of this time, right? So you've, you've gone through this whole process that we've outlined to onboarding an employee, not only you don't want to lose all that momentum, right? So you want to give them the benefit of the doubt as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Now you don't want to suffer a fool. If you've, if you've got an employee that's just not getting it, you know, and they're, they like, They've dropped a couple of ceilings. They're, they're costing you more money than they're making. They're just not smart. And you can tell, don't suffer a fool. Yep. But if you've invested in this process and the, these people have potential, then you just need to, using this structured process, you onboard them, you get them up to speed, you've defined what success looks like, and you help them get there. Now, once they get there, they're a self-motivated um, employee that understands what to do and when to do it then they don't take uh, a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of, you know what I mean? Yes. They're just, they're just making you money because right. they're, they're running service calls. They're doing the right thing. They're doing it professionally. They're making sure the condensate drains draining outside before they leave. They're not dropping ceilings and you know, you're, you're rocking on now that you've got, let's say we've hired Jim last year. Now Jim's gone through the process. Jim understands what success is. And he is a, he is a, an example of that success. Now, when we hire Wendy, our new service technician, as she goes through the process, part of her training is she's going to ride with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a training, you may have a 30 day training where she rides with Jim to see how he does it, to learn from Jim. Right. So Jim's acting as a field training officer. Mm-hmm. So because we've invested in Jim, now we're gaining that return 
from revenue, from other employee training, from helping to reinforce our company culture, mm-hmm. helping to guide the company moving forward. Um, it's just the payback is just exponential if you do it right from the beginning. All right. If, if you're just copy and paste job descriptions and hiring breathing bodies, not only are you, you you're going to continue to have the same problems every year, mm-hmm. your company's not going to grow and you're going to blame it on other things because you don't realize that you're not in order to really grow a company, you have to have a firm foundation of the top 10% employees and you have to define what success is and you have to lead that ship in that direction. And once you get an armada of employees rowing that ship moving North, it's really hard for a new employee to try to row South. They they've got to get on board and they got to help row the boat. All right. Well, that I think is a great way to end that Chris. I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge as always. It was Again, as always, fascinating for me to learn along with the people listening. I always like to, uh, to 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 listen to you explain things because I get a little something from it as well. So it's always nice. But thank you again for being here. Thank you to you out there if you are listening or watching. We really appreciate you being here. Hopefully you took something from this as well. Uh, this has been you know the five steps that you need to take when hiring somebody. Chris said that the most important one to him would be that initial job description. So make sure to focus on that. But also don't forget those other four steps too. And also don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Leave us nice reviews on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you're listening. We really, really appreciate that. Give us a like, give us a dislike if you really didn't like this. If you disagreed or if you agreed with anything, let us know. Let us know in the comments wherever you are. We always really appreciate that sort of feedback. And um, Chris, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with anybody at all? No, I just, it's just, just so incredible to me how fast the podcast is spreading and taking off. I want to thank everybody. I know your time's valuable. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us banter on back and forth about stuff. Uh, it, it really means a lot to us. I'm really trying to provide value. Both of us, um, we're setting up future guests. Uh, we're working on that now so that we can mm-hmm. really, the goal of the podcast is to give you something you can use to grow your business. Uh, We didn't want it to be a big ACM commercial, but rather let's give you real actionable data and actionable information that you can take home and implement in your business today that'll help you have a more profitable tomorrow. That's our goal, and I I hope that's what we're providing, and thank you so much for listening. Very well said. All righty. Well, again, like Chris said, I'll echo that. Thank you so much for being here. This has been the Power of Our Podcast with me, David, and Chris. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you so much. Have a great one, everybody. Take care.